Hello, um, welcome to the new episode of the Ladies Hacking Society podcast. Um, today's episode um, is going to be hosted by the Northeast chapter of the Hacking Society, and the host will be myself, Kimberly Hendry, and I'm a cybersecurity engineer at thatsecurity.company. And along with me will be Catherine Cardos, who is head of cyber at Virgin Money. Our guests today are um, Annabelle Berry and Mel Burden, and yeah, you're going to be introducing yourself, yep. Um, and the title is How the Hell Did We Get Here? So we're all going to have a chat about our career journeys, um, the value of having different experiences before working in cyber, very unlikely things as well. And we're going to talk about resilience. And also at the end, um, as we do with every podcast, we're going to talk about our cyber heroes. So that'll be really fun. So keep listening for that. Um, so yeah, so um, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Um, hi, my name is Annabelle Berry. I'm the chief exec of a company called Sapphire, who are a cybersecurity uh, company in the industry. We've been around for almost quarter of a century now. I'm also um, a board advisor for the Ladies Hacking Society and take some responsibility in terms of chapter expansion, which is very exciting. And also recent podcast host of Security and Two Sugars. A little bit of a plug there, yes. that's all right. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and thank you for having me on. Very excited to be here. Thanks for that, Annabelle. And it's good to have, um, as you say, to be on the other side of the microphone if there's such a, a virtual site to be on. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to hear a bit more about your podcast for anyone who hasn't joined in yet. But um, thank you for that. Over to you, Mel. Thank you. Um, I'm Melanie Burden. I'm a cybersecurity analyst at Virgin Money, which is a bank. Um, I've worked there for seven years, but I've only been in cybersecurity for about a year and a half and um, also recently joined the Ladies Hacking Society and I'm also a competitive dancer. Competitive dancer. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of dancing, Melanie? Um, Pole dancing. But it's like, um, it's kind of pole gymnastics. Yeah, fantastic. Sorry, I'll back off with the question asking. Do you see what I did there? I dived, I dived in on the question. I should, I'm going to sit this back. This is not your podcast. I know. <laughs> back off. Back off, Barry. Okay. Yes. You can just relax, Annabelle. You yeah, just, I will um, do. You're not working tonight. <laughs> but you, you have started something off there, Annabelle. So when you have a competitive dance on a pole, is it a bit like that Run DMC video where kind of dancing at each other <laughs> but let's not go too far with that because it's a different genre of podcast i think we're, we're very... yeah we're moving away um no not quite you do dance um, individually it's not like it's not dance off <laughs> right okay that's, that's that closed a lot of logistical issues in my mind so thank you for that <laughs> it's start really having a chat about um well, like we say, this this is titled "How the Hell Did We Get Here?" So we could all start having a chat about our career journeys. That sounds good. I suppose when um, we were talking about doing podcasts and what we'd like to host as a a chapter, this one popped in my head as being probably quite an interesting one because, as much as 
we're all here doing cyber stuff. We've all got a different part to play in how we got here, um, stories to share, um, tips of resilience, um, pivotal points, what what's really happening. And so, yeah, anything that, that's helped you in your career, what's brought you here, what have you brought with you from other careers and other backgrounds? Um, and there's that one of my favourite songs actually is is Talking oh. Heads, Once in a Lifetime. And, and that's... Um, Every time I hear that and I'm having a reflective moment, I'm like, bloody hell, how did I get here? Um, and it's quite interesting thinking about the the little bits and pieces that have brought you to the point you are today. So um, here we are. So that that's the story of the title. So who wants to start with how the hell did you get here? Apart from via car or photo or whatever it might be. <laughs> great title by the way how how the hell did I get here that's a that's (laughs) something that I ask myself quite often actually um so I'm quite unusual really because I've I've been in the information security industry my whole working career what I would call my proper you know career as in I had jobs obviously before um before this you know when I was in my teens and when I was at college and uni and stuff. Um, But I fell into information security, um, and this is back in the late 90s, Um, completely by chance. I didn't have any background at all in uh, doing any computer subjects or anything like that. I don't think I even took IT or computers at GCSE, actually. Um, We didn't have a computer in our house. I didn't use one at uni. Um, I wrote my dissertation on a word processor. <laughs> so it takes takes uh, takes you back to kind of the mid nineties when I was um, when I was at uni and I was doing a degree in English. I did my dissertation on Jane Austen, which is about as far removed from cybersecurity as I think you can possibly get. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and I basically um, I graduated. I was ferociously independent always have been and I wanted to get working really quickly um so I started interviewing for some jobs I just you know just wanted to get earning really um and I thought well I'll just get a job and then I'll think a little bit more about what I was going to do from there because when I graduated I wanted to be a journalist and I but I hadn't really had a clear path in terms of how I was going to get uh, get there. But it seemed like back then there wasn't as much planning going on, really, in terms of careers as I think there probably is nowadays. Um, so I just thought, right, get get working and then, you know, do that for a little while and then you can get a proper job. And here I am um, 22 years later, um, still waiting for a proper job, actually. So, um, so um <laughs> So I interviewed for a couple of different um, companies and then a friend of a friend uh, suggested this company that were based uh, just off the M4 corridor and it was an information security company and they were hiring um, internal salespeople. And that's how I started my career was um, basically sat in a booth with a hard copy, hardcover copy of Dun & Bradstreet. calling companies about their security requirements, which back in the late 90s was mainly around 
firewalls, which were a newfangled thing at the time, mm -hmm. and um, and email security and a little bit of two-factor authentication. And to be honest, if you told me that 22 years later, I'd still be talking to organizations about firewalls and email security and authentication, I would have told you you were nuts. But um, But here we are. That's amazing. And that's how I started my career in, in security. And I, I got into it and I absolutely loved it. From the first couple of weeks I was there, I completely got captivated by the whole um, by the whole industry and what we were doing and talking to organizations about what their requirements were. And at the time, people were moving away from dial-up to lease line connections and you know, opening up a dedicated lines to their organizations and all of the things, all the risks that came with that. And um, I just absolutely got captivated by it. And um, yeah, and, and, and that's 22 years later, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the industry. And for that reason, because I find it one of the most exciting uh, places to be, always changing, always moving forward. So that's how I got started initially. Um, that was my first role. So, oh. yeah. So that that. That's interesting, isn't it? Now you say late nineties, and I think all of the challenges that well, I certainly talk about today is exactly those things. Um, when you think <laughs> about the technology and the the threats that have moved on so much in that time, that actually it's still down to the fundamentals, isn't it? At the end of the day, you got to get the foundations right, and and the rest will sort of take care of itself. Yeah, that's quite a reflective point, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I, you know, honestly, I mean, I, if somebody had said, you know, I thought, gosh, we will have had all of this sewn up in, you know, in a, in a couple of years, and we will have moved on to other things. So yeah, I do think that sometimes that we're still focusing on some of these key, these key areas, and we haven't quite, you know, got it right, primarily, because it's obviously phenomenally difficult to get those, those things right sometimes. So um, yeah, so I started on the commercial side of the business. Um and then I, I'm somebody who quite like, I like to know more than I need to about stuff. Mm. And I, so I, after a while, I decided I wanted to move into the technical side of the business. Um, so that was a leap because having no background in IT at all, um, I didn't know anything. So I immersed myself in TCP IP books and oh nice learned routing protocols and all about networking and um and my job was primarily around firewalls so I got my um firewall security administrator and engineer certifications for checkpoint firewalls and I was back then able to configure firewalls via command line prompt um it used to be on um sun servers back in the day before you bought appliances um, and I loved that and um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a massive leap for me because obviously I didn't have the basic grounding. Um, so I, I did that for, for a while. And the things I was learning when I was at the technical side of the business, I thought, God, I wish I'd known this when I was sat on the commercial side of the business. It would have really helped me have better conversations with the with my customers. So I started doing occasional updates for those teams just to let them know about some of the things that might be worth dropping into conversation. And that effectively started to have a bit of an impact on what they were doing and the business felt that was useful. And uh, and on the back of that, they ended up offering me a job um, in management back on the commercial side of the business. So I leapt back across the fence um, and uh, and that kind of was the beginning of the route 
which you know led me to my role now so um but I'm really pleased I did that I wasn't it was a really long time I was in that role but it but it really helped me I think just understanding a bit more about immersing myself in another department knowing a bit more about you know how things worked um being, knowing a bit more under the bonnet really and that side of things always fascinated me and I think even now in my job that I do now I think it really helps because I've spent a little bit of time in in not just in the commercial side of the business but on the technical side of the business and I think that helps me understand a little bit more about what those teams need perhaps than if I hadn't so I think it it, it put me in good stead I think for for my later career so well, yes, that's that's very interesting because I often think you hear some people say, "Oh, you don't need any technical experience or IT experience to get into the industry." But um, cybersecurity or information security, it is a technical realm, isn't it? Generally, obviously, there's the the people side and the policies, the GRC. But I think having some sort of technical knowledge is is quite important. Well, think? I think back then, I think it definitely was because you know information security back then was really I mean when I'm talking about the late 90s it was solely around technology and technical controls nobody was talking you know BS7799 was was wasn't around at this point yet you know we weren't talking about compliance we weren't talking about culture we weren't talking about um, you know all of the other aspects of security that we know we know now it was all very much technically skill driven and, and all about the technical controls and implementing those and configuration and networking so um so yeah I think then definitely I think now less so I mean I think understanding what the risks are I mean it obviously depends on the role clearly but you know understanding what the risks are um and I think bringing a different skill set into the industry now is really critical because as we've just said you know, I've been in the industry for 22 years and we're still trying to overcome some of the challenges that we've been looking at for over 20 years now. And part of that is because actually we haven't, as an industry, um, we've relied too much on technical controls for a really long time and building up defences, layers and layers and layers of defences. And what we focus less on is the people aspect. And the people aspect, in my opinion, is at the heart of of getting much further forward than where we are now supported by technical controls obviously mm -hmm. but it's really the people that we need to put at the heart of all this and we and for many years we did we didn't you know we've all had a bit of a wake-up call over the last five or six years because you know we've seen a lot of malware and phishing attacks and things like that and with all due respect they've sailed past many people's perimeter defenses that we've spent years and years building up mm -hmm. you know and targeted the person at the end of an endpoint who then you know, has made a decision to click or not click at that time. And it's been phenomenally um, successful for the criminals um, using those tactics. So, and then on the back of that, we've started to talk a lot more about culture and training and awareness and getting people to care and things like that. Whereas I think we weren't really having those conversations before. And I think that awareness has got to be done by people who have better skill sets to be able to communicate effectively with people within businesses and users. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes if you're very good at 
one job within an organization with an infosec team you're perhaps not as good as at the communication and 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 vice versa and we need people with different skill sets and i think that's what's brought us here so yes i don't think necessarily you need the background in the same way that you probably did 20 years ago you need to be able to understand you know you need to have a good understanding of it and a good understanding of the risks and a good understanding of um what what areas of concern you need to look at but i think you know actually there's plenty of room in the industry now for people to be coming in and and helping and moving the needle in a in a greater respect than we have done and and that's by focusing on people so i think you know we do need i know it's talked about a lot and but i i, I do believe that, that that's what we need i think is is different thinkers and different people that communicate in different ways and can land the message that's the biggest issue we have we haven't able really effectively been able to land the message within our own businesses yet about what the risks are and getting people to be more aware. And that's a big failing, I think. Um, and it's one we need to address. Completely agree. And I think when you you look at some of the, the really tricky issues or incidents that have came off the back of something bypassing a control, a lot of the time there's one person who has made that, that decision to click when maybe it wasn't the best one. Um, and there's always been, as you say, a bit of a, well, it got through, therefore, why wouldn't I um, click on it? Or why wouldn't I answer a customer query when actually it was someone fishing for information? Um, and making, like, everyone knows about the, the security training that happens within a business, that it's a bit, bit of a yawn fest at times. And it's a case of just clicking through it and getting through it, where I think we have got a turn the dial up a little bit and make it a bit more engaging um and the- yeah and i think it's a, it's about communicating effectively really i mean i've done a couple of classes master classes around communication and it's all been around you know cyber awareness and and culture and i don't mention security in that at all because actually the thing that we need to be focusing on is is how can we articulate things in a way that people respond mm-hmm. best you know, optimally. And those are the things that we need to work more on is, is, you know, we know the issues. We know the issues really well. We're really good at sitting in conferences, talking to one another about the issues. And everyone sits and nods and goes, yes, you know, gosh, isn't it awful? Yes, you know, we all know that, but we're not very good at communicating that in a way that gets people to realise and gets people to care. That's the bit that we have to get better at. And that's about better communication, landing a message, telling a story, talking about consequences um, and doing it in a way that engages people really. And, and, and it's, it sounds like it's an easy thing to do, but it, but it really isn't. Yeah, I agree. I remember talking a few years back when we were planning a, a security awareness week and one of the senior guys at the time says, well, I absolutely think we should be dwelling on um, what an APT might impact on our business. I was like, well, one, you've you've just said an acronym that not everyone would understand. Um, is your average person um, who we're, we're targeting with this conversation going to care about what a nation state might be up to? Um, yeah, they might want to watch a film on a weekend about it, but I'm not really sure it's going to land in terms of your everyday role. And that was like a, a major wake-up moment, and I almost felt like I punched them in the face by saying that. But <laughs> that's the difference, isn't it? Compared to if you go and, and talk to someone about, well, if someone came and knocked on your front door and you didn't know who 
who they were. They tried to come in. Would you just let them? Would you facilitate them coming in? No. Well, does that mean more to you than, I don't know, some sort of dark force on your, your Wi-Fi network? Uh, it's quite a different story, isn't it? So I think that is key. And I kind of want to link back to um, your background before you got into security or what you maybe picked up when you were in the sales um, side of the business. Is there something that you feel you picked up there that actually has nothing to do with security at all, but has actually facilitated some of the, um, maybe the softer skills or some of the, how you deal with people to to make that sale, to sell them the right product, to um, have a good conversation and make the message land? I think for me, it's always been about building relationships and listening. Um, you know, that's, that's, I wasn't maybe what people would, you know, I think everyone has a stereotypical salesperson in their head, you know, usually when you mention that, but I don't think I was ever that person um, in that stereotypical way. I think I built relationships with the customers that I, that I dealt with at the time and I, I listened and I wanted genuinely to help and I wanted to give them the best advice that I possibly could and do my best for them. And that, and that you know, that stood me in, in good stead, I think, because it was just about listening. It's about listening more and asking questions and asking what's important and what, where, where are the challenges and what are the things that are hard right now? And what do you, you know, what are you wanting to focus on? Do you know what you want to focus on? Do you know where the biggest risks are? You know, it's, it's, it's asking all of those questions really. It's always been more important um, than, you know, having an idea in mind of, I want to sell X, Y, Z. I mean, that's ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. um, and these are the things that we talk a lot about within the business and how we approach um, people that we are obviously helping now at, at Safa in, in the same way. And it's doing your best for people. And I think people really respond to that. I mean, we, I, we have customers at Sapphire who've been customers of mine since the late 90s. And they're at Sapphire because that's where I am, because I have a relationship with them and, and, and they know they're going to get a certain level of um, customer service to be looked after and, and so on. And I think, you know, that, that doesn't happen lightly. You know, I think people, you know, tend to, if they've got a good relationship and it's trusted and there's integrity there. Um, I think that's really important in security, particularly. I think mm -hmm. the fly by night, try and sell you something. And then the minute something goes wrong, you know, not want to help. I don't think that stands you in very good stead, really. I think in in terms of um, in terms of security, well, or probably any other industry actually, but particularly in terms of security, I think where integrity and honesty and good advice is worth more. Really, I was on a, a panel earlier on today, and I was saying I think it's more important sometimes to tell a customer they don't need something mm -hmm. um, that they think they might want, as it is to tell them that they probably do need something that they don't know that they need or you know, recognized a gap or something like that. And I think, you know, it's it's giving that really good, honest advice that's in their best interest, that's fit for understanding what their business looks like, what the risks are, what their risk appetite is, you know, how much budget they've got and so on. Um, so it's just about people, really. And I think, you know, that's just something that's just been, I suppose, natural for for me I've, I've, i did a lot of jobs you know worked in a lot of jobs before i got into this industry and you know i've waitressed i've cleaned i've 
you know, I ran a pub for a while, was assistant manager in a pub for a while. That taught, that teaches you a lot about people. Yeah, um, and, um, <laughs> you know, I've worked in shops and, you know, I've, I've, I've just always tried to roll my sleeves up and work as hard as I can, look at how I could make things slightly better, you know, try and make a difference in the, in the, in the jobs that I've been doing, no matter what they've been. And, um, and I've taken opportunities when, when they've, you know present themselves so I think it's always for me being about people and building the relationships and it's no different today it's absolutely no different um you know I don't think whatever job you're doing that's that's what you should be striving to do certainly if you're on the commercial side of a business anyway completely agree now I think there's something there's a couple of things in there which I think are worth exploring a bit more one being um like you mentioned earlier on about how you, you learned to um, configure firewalls and such like, and the network aspect. And I think uh, if you translate that into the human network, I think if you build a strong one and you've got a good brand to go with it, then then absolutely, that was a tenuous link if ever I've heard. heard. <laughs> <laughs> the, the human network. The human network. <laughs> nice. You know, if you do have a moment that um, you feel like you maybe have a curveball or there's a little bit of a... Uh, a moment where it could have went better than that network that reputation and that um that energy that you've got to do the right thing um and provide open and honest advice is i think priceless compared to anything else that you might have in your toolkit as a, as a person and i think networking is so important um and it's a small world security isn't it very small world it is, yeah, and I think that's what I mean. You know, I'm amazed when I hear stories of bad behaviour still going on, and um, you know, uh, um, because I just think it's such a short-sighted view to be taking. Um, you know, we're in this. Certainly, at Sapphire, anyway, we're in it for the long haul. We're in it to build long-term relationships with people, and mm -hmm. you know, of course, things don't go to plan sometimes. Of course, they don't. Nothing ever does, but I think it's how you deal with things when things happen that makes the difference. Um, and you know, I think, like I say, it's it's just the you know the honest honest advice. Um, and I've been in instances where you know I've had somebody who who absolutely wanted to go ahead and buy a piece of technology, and it wasn't the best thing for them at that time. And and I think you know being able to be honest and saying that. Um, and telling them that and saying, actually, you know what, perhaps that isn't great but for you right now, but maybe have a look at X, Y, Z instead. I think that's a much better approach. So, um, yeah, and I'd rather do that a hundred times over. And, and, and that's the, the, you know, the culture and the ethos that I, that I, that I, you know, I work. It's very important to me anyway, within Sapphire. I think there's a, people who, who work in the business have a very clear view of, of what my views are customer service is very important to me you know listening making sure that we're doing the right thing mm -hmm. being as flexible as we can all of these things they're important to me personally and 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 that's how you know the, the company was very much like that anyway but i think that you know those are the values that we hold as a as an organization and you know it stands us in good stead we've been around for nearly 25 years now so absolutely and, and that's the secret sauce i think um so you, you mentioned there a little bit about um resilience or you touched on what sounded like might be a resilience point um so just having a bit of a reflection point um what maintains your resilience 
throughout quite a, a tricky business at times. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you like Michael Parkinson now. <laughs> I, I think I'm always striving to make sure that we are continually trying to evolve and make sure that we are tweaking and you know making things better and fine-tuning as we go and that's something that you know I've always done throughout my career and particularly at Sapphire I think and and that's the thing that keeps me that keeps me going really is 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 actually I still get you know I get excited about that prospect I get excited about moving the, you know the company forward and you know I work with a phenomenal group of people at Sapphire I'm incredibly lucky uh, you know the the team that I have within the organization genuinely care about the company um and that I don't take that for granted ever because that's rare I think to work in a in an organization where you have a, a vast majority of people I think you know genuinely care about what happens to the company you know work as hard as they possibly can pull together as a team um and that's been my experience and I don't think you could take that for granted and I think that you know, that has to be earned and acknowledged, I think. Um, and that keeps me going. You know, I think I think seeing the business thrive, seeing people within the business thrive, um, I get a massive buzz from that. And, mm -hmm. and that's what keeps me, you know, keeps me going, keeps me striving for the next thing, for how can we improve this? How can we move this forward? How can we, um, you know, prepare the business for the next couple of years and, and keep relevant, really. That's the other thing in security. We, you have to keep as relevant as you possibly can because, you know, things move, as you all know, in such a fast pace. Um, you know, it's making sure that we're on the forefront of that. So, um, and I think that probably is the thing that keeps me, keeps me going. I'm still excited by it, actually. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's answered the question. I think in the way that you want it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think um over the period of time that you, you've been in the business you must have seen um some sort of really straightforward easy times and some peaks and troughs and when it, it's not been so so easy to keep up with and, and when I think about resilience um insecurity, I think it, it's something that can be tricky to, to maintain and to to make sure that you are um you're kind of enjoying your best life because it is such an exciting industry to be in. Um, I'm not really sure there's many industries that keep moving at the pace that security does and being able to kind of have, have what it takes to, to maintain that engagement when sometimes you're like, bloody hell, I can't keep up with this. Um, so no, it's in, yeah, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, actually. I think if I'd got into any other area of IT in that first job, I could pretty much, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be doing that now. You know, I think it's because I happen to have got into this part of IT and cybersecurity, information security, whatever, it, you know, you want to call it, is extremely exciting and it's fast paced and it's challenging sometimes. Um, but it's also massively rewarding. And I think... And I think it's been able to, 
you know you can demonstrate creativity in it as well and I think that's the thing for me and we've touched you know I know we've touched on this a few times on on the podcast with different guests you know having creative flares and I think there's that's not a that's not a coincidence I think and I find somebody who comes from an arts mainly an arts background I did um you know I did my A-levels in English music and history I mean it's not a you know, like I say, I wasn't really even using a computer yeah. at home, <laughs> you know, so, um, so it was really important for me to have a cre- creative outlet. And I think security allows you to have that, I think, in, in some respects. So, um, you know, to move quickly, to be fast paced. Um, and I think that's probably pushed my creativity buttons for long enough, which has meant, you know, I've stuck with it and I've wanted to be in it and it, and it still, still excites me. Like you say, what a privilege to work in an industry that still excited by 22 years later that's quite something definitely gosh definitely yes do do either of you or is mel as well do you have any um sort of advice or tips on um how not to be overwhelmed by how to keep relevant and keep on learning all these um, new tools or these interesting things is how do people handle that I think you just have to remember that everybody's human and no one's born knowing all these things and like no one comes out the womb a hacker um, or it's <laughs> like a security specialist so everyone can learn something in the industry and if you find something that you really enjoy and makes you happy then you can just keep rolling with it and you shouldn't feel like you shouldn't feel pressured to have to keep up with everything obviously keep keep an eye on things and don't fall behind but just try not to stress yourself out over it because you're not going to know everything in the whole industry that's a good point so do you think maybe that's um sort of the role of a good team almost so you, you can all know different parts and have different specialisms maybe yeah and also sharing as well so if you find something interesting um at least give everybody else the opportunity as well to um share in the knowledge and don't just keep things to yourself um right i think there's uh-huh. quite a lot of gatekeeping around and people need to learn to share more <laughs> i completely agree mel and i think um so how long have you been in security now um about a year and yeah, about almost a year and a half, I'd say. So in that time, um, have you gone through like a, a wave of feeling that you need to know everything to where you yeah. are now, where you feel more comfortable saying you don't know? Yeah, so I think when I first joined, I was like, before um, I'd started, because I had quite a long notice period, I was kind of get like borrowing networking books and um, trying to look on plural site at like, security plus courses and I bought stupidly bought the hacker's handbook um which is massive and I just opened it expecting it to tell me how to do everything I opened it and I was like oh my god <laughs> like what does it mean and what does it mean Mel had a few months oh god I still don't I'm still too scared to reopen it <laughs> there is so much information about isn't there and I think that 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 question you posed um Kimberly that that's the like question 101 isn't it how the hell do you do that 
Yeah, not yeah. not get overwhelmed and I certainly yeah, felt definitely. like that when I first started. Yeah. I remember um the IT director at the time said, How are you getting on? I'm really pleased like you you joined the, the security team. Um how are you finding it? And I went, I'm just so like I just feel like I need to know everything and I remember feeling really overwhelmed by everything. Um and I was in I joined the team at a really good point with hindsight. It maybe felt a bit too much at the time. But um, there'd been a lot of redundancies. There'd been a lot of people just leaving of their own accord. And suddenly there was me, absolutely brand new to it. Yeah, that, I'd had years into um, IT support, but in terms of security stuff, I didn't have a clue really. And uh, I was kind of dropped in at the deep end where people would just suddenly look over to me and expect me to be the oracle of everything. And I thought, how, how, the hell, how do I do this? So I was furiously reading and reading and doing my own research and um just thought wow so yeah when I was saying that the to the boss at the time she just went do you, what, what, what are you worried about <laughs> well I'll, I need to know everything she went you really don't I just thought you don't understand but um yeah she was right she was really right as in like you just need to know enough do you think someone I told you the other day I guess it's different roles need different things but she was saying something about having a broad but inch deep knowledge of certain things and then and then having specialisms but also mentioned about surrounding yourself by a good team who've got mm -hmm. their own different specialisms I think, that's key. I think what you said there mel about sharing information that that's key isn't it yeah definitely i think and even just articles training that you found useful then just share it just anything you find and if some people want to look at it they'll look at it and if they don't then they don't <laughs> yeah i guess if it's not relevant to them or not helpful or that's definitely um almost like a plug for the hacking society i think that's a massive benefit of being part of the ladies hacking society the constant sharing mm -hmm. of resources and opportunities and training and support it's, um, yeah, and if you so haven't already valuable. joined the Slack channel, please get in touch. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. No, but it is. And I think <laughs> there's quite a spread of, of of how you tap into that network of what people know and, and kind of finding those things. There's always something on the, the training thread, which personally I've never come across before um, within the Slack channel, which says, you know, check out this, it's free this weekend or... Has anyone tried this or I, I've been on it and this was excellent. And I think um, that's kind of a, a little bit new to me, maybe because I've been in the game a little bit um, or maybe it's just things are evolving. Um, but also I think it does come from the team around you. That That's key. And again, just thinking about um, you, Annabelle, do you, where do you find the, the juiciest bit of information about security? Well, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, Catherine. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> no, I'm <a> <laughs> um, um, No, I mean, I, I was just listening to what um, what you were saying around this. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And I was I was also saying, you know, it's it's often that we're we're hardest on always on ourselves. Our expectations of ourselves are way, you know, way in excess of our expectations on anyone else. You know, half the conversations we have within our own minds you would never dream of saying to somebody else out loud. And yet, you know, we do it to ourselves all the time, put ourselves under massive amounts of pressure. Um, and I think in terms of that knowledge thing, I think, you, you know, 
or, or the you know I do feel sorry for people getting into the industry now sometimes because it's so, so huge I mean it's so vast so many different areas um, and I think the thing that I try and advise when we have people joining the business now who are perhaps coming from a different industry or or coming from a different area of IT I think people often don't take a step back often enough I think sometimes we get very caught up in the detail of something or the things that we don't know and mm -hmm. don't take a step back and look at the wider picture because ultimately what we're talking about that we're trying to overcome is business risk. That's the thing that I'm always talking about is, is business risk. And that's why it goes back to the people side of things is, you know, what is the risk of the business? What methods are being used? What what vectors are, you know, who are the actors? Who are the vectors? What are, what are they, you know, it's, it's, it's taking that step back and not getting caught up in the details sometimes I think helps from a generalist perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and then being a specialist in your area, um, then obviously immersing yourself in and being curious. I think that's the other thing. I mean, that that's that's the thing that I am, you know, obviously I'm, my role now isn't, um, it's, it, uh, I remember somebody saying to me actually, as a, as a, as a chief exec, you, you should be the least talented person in the room. And that's very true. Uh, you know, you surround yourself by people who are absolutely subject matter experts in the area that's, that, that, that they work in. And, and, um, my job is to help coordinate and set the strategy and the vision and to drive people, drive the company forward and take, you know, hopefully engage the teams in the vision, you know, that, that I have and, and where we're going and to make sure that the company is relevant and things like that. Um, but, you know, if I got too stressed about the things, you know, that I didn't know, but I know enough about all of the key areas and that's keeping on top of the stories. So I immerse myself in the social media channels, you know, the stories that I see come out on Twitter, the listening to podcasts, um, just being interested so that I can have relevant conversations with the right people um across a wide variety of areas but the other thing i've noticed i was just going to say on that is that i think particularly now because there's so many different roles and there's so many different jobs and there's so many different areas that we can specialize in in information security that sometimes it's really easy to get caught with what other people are doing mm -hmm. and i had this conversation just recently with somebody and i was tr trying to say look try not to get distracted by what everyone else is doing. Um, find something that really you're passionate about that plays to your skill sets and then try and basically, I'm not saying limit yourself, but but you know, try not to get distracted with perhaps a part somebody else's path or another area that somebody else is skilled up in. You know, find something that you really, really love doing, that you're passionate about, that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and crack on with work and that plays to the skills that you have and the ones or the ones that you want to develop or whatever and 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 focus in on that you know follow your own story I think it's really easy in the industry at the moment to get sort of caught up with what everyone else is doing and that's I, I don't know that that's helpful sometimes no I agree um it's so as you say it's so broad it's so huge um it is and, and there's that interesting debate in, We've had that recently, um, myself and Kimberly, on what do you do? Do you do you focus on being a specialist or do you get comfortable with being a generalist? There's a whole host of things that go with that. And I think sometimes it can depend on the opportunities that are in front of you. Um, it can be something that you choose actively to do. Um, 
I don't think it's an easy answer and sometimes it is about fate kind of dealing you a hand and you you kind of rolling with it um actually just just before we kind of delve into that perhaps um something you mentioned there um Annabelle was around the the curiosity and I think that that can be really useful in terms of developing um an area of specialism or interest and that's something I definitely see um Mel doing and I, I think it's perfect in terms of that curiosity so Mel in amongst the potential to be completely overwhelmed by the industry how do you temper or maintain your curiosity at this point in your career mm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, I think I do spend quite a lot of time on Twitter um, I kind of just keep an eye out and then I like to see what other people are doing and what's out there and then I'll just keep trying bits and so if someone's talking about something I'll do a little bit of research maybe try and do like a little course on it and then if I like the look of it then I'll keep it and think I'll carry on looking at that and if not I can just get rid of it I think it's a bit bit like a a security buffet Mm, um yeah just a bit of a buffet just have a (laughs) bit of a little bit of everything on the plate um, and then just find pick out the bits that I'd really like so let's develop that buffet analogy a little bit more so everyone loves (laughs) a sausage roll um (laughs) It has to be a vegan and, sausage roll. Yeah, I don't, I don't eat pork. Um, after yeah. watching a bit of a horrific program about um, pork farming um, a number of years ago now, so let's think of a, a savoury roll for for everyone involved. What what is your savoury <laughs> roll of security at the moment, Mel? I think my savoury roll is still in the oven. <laughs> I think it just I think like just over a year in, I'm still kind of trying everything um when I first started and this first kind of was applying for the cyber security job obviously at that time been watching a bit of Mr mm-hmm. Robot was like oh quite if I could do that quite fancy a bit of that a bit of the hacking stuff and then as I actually started the role and kind of felt more at home and used my own skills against the job it was kind of more like oh I could still maybe do a little bit of it and keep learning, but maybe I shouldn't primarily focus on that. And there's just a lot more out there, I think, um, in the industry. And I think you just have to keep looking and probably not just focus on one thing. Our people do like to specialise in things, but um, I'd think I'd, I do kind of want to have more of a broad spectrum. On so you're more everything. across the savoury aspect of the entire table. Yeah, I'd say so. I like a bit of everything. Um, but I think through my career as well, I've kind of done a bit of everything. So I'm not really, I guess I don't, not really the type of person that would maybe focus on one thing and then that would be that for the rest of my life. Um, I do like to chop and change things. That's good. And just thinking of some of your um, pre-IT or pre-security um, experience in the world of work, um Give her a little bit of a, a flavour of what you've been up to. Oh, yeah, so um, I think I've had a bit of a colourful past, made some questionable decisions. 
Um, so I came out of uni with nothing but bad self-esteem and debt. And what form <laughs> gave you that? Um, what course gave what, you that, that out? Um, that, ugh, that was business with marketing. Okay. okay. So didn't really, yeah, didn't really like it um, that much. Um, so then I kind of just went out there, couldn't find a job for probably about a year. Um, so that wasn't great. And then ended up working in a car showroom. And I was at that point, I was just really shy, kind of really scared of everything. I just would not talk to people. Um, and then I kind of just got thrust in this car showroom and um, speaking to people every day. Everyone who works in a car showroom are really boisterous and loud anyway because <laughs> like, they're, they're all salespeople and they're all very extroverted um, so they really pushed me out of my shell and then that was only a temporary job I was meant to be there for three months and um, I ended up being there for over a year I think it was um, and then my manager there kind of passed my details on to Virgin Money and that's how I kind of made my way into the, um, the call centre in Virgin Money and I think from there it just was I just went for it with personality wise I was like I'm not going to be scared of speaking to people and it just really developed my confidence and ended up being this little dominating powerhouse like on the floor and then I think at that point I was like (laughs) (laughs) and then I think I started scaring the managers and then at that point I was just like yeah I need to like I can just do so much more and I want to do so much more and I just started thinking of and then I got that's how I found my way into IT um got the job in systems operations um and it just went from there and I was just I just keep pushing and I'm kind of yeah I think at Virgin Money I just made friends with everyone on the IT floor and spoke to everyone and I just I'm at a point now where I think I just I just know everybody and enjoy speaking to everybody and it's just that resourcefulness has been really helpful Absolutely. in the job now and no, I agree. It's, it, it's back to that human network is um is really key because if you don't know yourself if you know someone who can sort it out or give you a bit of uh inside line on how something works then i think that's absolutely priceless so yeah, and I think um, I've had like a bit of training from probably every IT team in that company um, while I've been in security because I'll just come across a server or a system that I don't know about and I'll just ask them. Um, and the kind of people have been nice enough to give me little bits of training and kind of mini workshops and things and they're happy to share the resources. And I think that's came from me just knowing them and being friends with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Um... And I think that's interesting that you mentioned um, in your background, you've, you've had like service jobs, um, customer service type of jobs. And that's something that you mentioned, Annabelle, as well. Um, and I think that's interesting. I know when I was talking to um, some new graduates and you'd, you'd be asking them their background. And I think most folks early in their, their working career, don't tend to be too proud of the jobs that have brought them to what they might call a proper job. Um, And they almost discount it. And I think it's really sad when you hear that. And I'm sure at the time when I was starting whatever a proper job is, um, that I was less focused on sharing 
that experience that again there but my god like so many times I've sort of thought back to when I was working as a waitress um, or working in a shop where keeping a poker face or delivering an unpopular message has been perfect timing for um, or perfect learning for really difficult conversations um, like in even my current role now which you know I've been out out of uh, university jobs for about 20 years now so I think that's key so what do you think in terms of of that experience Annabelle that you've brought from previous to your 20 odd year career with with Sapphire how do you think that's played into where you are now? I think it's been key I think um, you know actually in my interview for this job you know interviewing for my first chief exec job um, I was asked the question tell me about what jobs you had when you were a teenager what when did you start work and at the time I was thinking god this interview is not going well if we're delving that far back but actually the thing that they were trying to establish was my work ethic mm. had I always worked what jobs had I done you know what was my experience of that and so for me I think that's phenomenally important um you know the fact that I have always worked and I was able to answer that question so I think for anyone listening who you know you never know when somebody's going to ask you that question um and it's it's trying to glean a little bit more about that person about you know whether they've whether they've worked whether they've had extra jobs you know whether they're a grafter or not I kind of describe myself as a grafter I always have been I've always worked I've always wanted to earn my own money and then when, within whatever jobs I've done, I've always tried my best. So I was always the one who got the overtime. I was always the one who got the promotions because I was always busy. I hate standing around. So um, I was always finding things to do. And of course, you know, as an employer now, if somebody's, you know, busy and they're, you know, trying to think on the job and they're trying to think of other things to do. Of course, you're going to capture other people's attention when you do that. And that set me in good stead. So I think that was a really good grounding for me I mean even you know look, looking at it back now about the things that that um that, that I did which was like you say work in the news agents worked in shops I worked in boots for a while I um I worked in pubs I cleaned a waitress you know I think you you get to meet all walks of life and mm -hmm. and as Mel was saying just now you know I think I was very shy um I'm, I'm quite introverted naturally I'm not really an extrovert particularly um so when I said earlier like not your stereotypical salesperson at all um but I think having those jobs gave me the confidence to talk to different people and it did increase my confidence every different job I had um and, and I'm a massive believer of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone as well so I've always taken any opportunity that's been afforded to me regardless of whether or not I thought I could do the job because I thought you know what I'm going to work really hard. I know I'm going to do that because that's just what I do. And I'm going to try my absolute best. And therefore, you know, I'm going to give it a go. And I think that's been another thing that's that's helped, which is taking the opportunities when they when they present. Absolutely agree with that. And again, I suppose that there's a touch of resilience and imposter syndrome that, that creeps in. Um, just a couple of things like you mentioned there that, Oh, can I do this? Um, should I apply for this role? Um, 
and if you you reference a, a an episode of Friends where say feel the fear, like you can't be feeling the fear every day, but I think there's an element of you've got to be just on the edge of that comfort zone to, to progress and make a difference and you know push yourself to succeed. So both to both of you really, Annabelle and Mel. Um, how do you do you feel you experience imposter syndrome and how do you how do you handle it? Um, I think I do quite well. Um, well yeah, I still do. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't anymore, but like yeah, I do. <laughs> I think because um, all of my friends have degrees. All of the people I know in IT have really good degrees, and then me coming out without one, um, I was kind of like in my early jobs I was like oh well I can't be applying for this job because why would they want me compared to everyone else um and then I just got to a point in my life where I was like well why not I can bring more to the table than just a degree I mean a degree is probably a great thing to have it shows people can work hard and they can commit themselves um but I've also done all of these other things and I've got a lot to bring to the table so yeah that's how I fight off the imposter syndrome I kind of just focus on what I've done already in my life and just what I've got to offer and I try not to let the little things yeah, get me down a good reflective point as well um and just for reference um I worked really hard at my degree but I also had a tremendous time um so it's not all about that bit of paper at the end of it that's for sure <laughs> there's a lot more it, isn't there <laughs> which you can get through life anyway but um yeah a lovely time was had by all <laughs> thanks for that what about you annabelle <laughs> yeah i mean i think this imposter syndrome i've been doing a lot of research on that actually this year um because i'm i'm always i love learning i love reading i love you know taking in new areas subject areas and things like that so I'm, I'm I'm always curious about stuff and I'm always big on self-development and self-learning and stuff like that so I've been looking into this area because I don't think I ever experienced it before I got to this job and then I've had it in this job which was the job that I thought I probably wouldn't get it in because you'd think okay I'm in this job now so you know surely but actually I did I you know I have experienced it and sometimes I still do um and the more I talk about it, the more I find that most people I talk to experience it either now or have done at some point in their career. And I think it's just part of our human condition is that we, it's a bit like I was saying earlier about the fact that we're so much harder on ourselves and than, than we ever would be with anyone else. And we question ourselves more than we ever would do um, about somebody else, um, their, their ability and things like that. So I think talking about it is one of the good ways of coming, overcoming it. I think mm -hmm. it's understanding that other people suffer it as well. I remember, I remember talking to um, somebody very high up as a chairman of a very large global organization, actually, about this topic. And, and he said, oh, yeah, I feel like that. And I thought, how can you possibly feel like that? You're a chairman of a global, <laughs> you know, sort of, you know, this huge, huge organization. Um, and that really helped me in some way, not that he you know, I'd felt like that because obviously that's not good, but because, you know, it reassured me that he had felt like that at some point. And I think it's a, it's a natural thing. I think the thing that we can't, I think sometimes we have to break the cycle of that. I think um, 
that we tend to go around in cycles in terms of when you've got imposter syndrome, which is not thinking you're good enough and therefore you, you know, you, you, you try hard and then you do something and you deliver it and then you think it's a fluke. So then you go back around in circles and you think, well, oh my God, well, next time I'm going to have to try doubly hard. And I think we have to break that cycle sometimes, I think. Um, and I think we, if you can, I think not let it hold you back. Um, like I say, push yourself forward and take take the leap. Trust yourself a little bit more um, that actually the world isn't going to end if this doesn't, you know, I don't know whether it's you know if it fails or it doesn't go as well as it possibly could do mm -hmm. you know typ typically the world doesn't stop turning at that point and there will be other things that come or other areas or other opportunities that present themselves I think as long as you've you know you've given it your absolute best shot and you've helped yourself along the way and you've helped with self-learning or self-development and you've asked for help and all that kind of thing then I would rather take the shot and fail than not having taken the shot and never know for sure so um but yeah I think it's it is hard when you when you're looking at that thinking oh my goodness you know and it depends on how debilitating that imposter is <laughs> syndrome is when it kicks in but I've definitely felt it in this role and that was because you know all of a sudden I was in this job and I looked around and I started going to leadership forums and conferences and I'm looking around going gosh you know who let me in the room with all the adults you know that's how I kind of felt for a while you know because I didn't know what I was doing it was my first job my first chief exec role um and but my experience is as soon as you get to know people a bit like we were saying earlier we're just all people at the end of the day um we go through the same set of emotions so we got different experiences different backgrounds um but you know ultimately we're just people working together and you know there's more similarities than there are not I find yeah totally agree and it's funny you should mention kind of that um the imposter syndrome bit um there was a a, a partner from EY when I worked there um Sandra Thompson complete legend of a lady um and she does a, a chalkboard sketch every Monday about um whatever might be like an inspirational quote. And, and the one that she sent me this week was, um, a bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because its trust is not in the branch, but in its own wings. And I thought, mm, that's a good one. Um, I mean, there's all these quotes knocking about, but, I, you know, it doesn't harm to, to listen and, and kind of reflect a bit on, well, where are you at on that statement? And, you know, you, you don't have to be winning all the time, but you need to be having a good crack at it if, if now else yeah and I think it's going through your successes as well I mean we're very easy to go and pick out your failures you know in your career or in your life you know I don't know about you know any of you but I get into bed and then my mind will tell me all of the things I didn't do today that I should have done all the things I should have done better today you know it's sort of like a roll call of it and and it's easy you know to do that wouldn't it be great if your mind sprang into action and told you all the amazing things you did today and all the things you did really well you know so I do think sometimes we need to think about sit down and write you know mm -hmm. what are the things you've 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 had success in what are the things that have gone right you know what are the wins you've taken away from today or this week and I I try and encourage my teams Safar to do that my, my management teams to to do that it's been something that we've just started doing actually the last couple of months is is to go through that because it's really important to acknowledge that and I think the more you do that the more that becomes a natural conversation inside your own head about yes okay 
some things didn't go as well but actually look at all the things that we have achieved and I don't think we celebrate that enough um, and that's a really important part I think of overcoming the imposter is acknowledging not just the bad stuff but acknowledging the good stuff I heard a really good tip by the way the other day I was reading a book um, uh, it was by Mark Brackett who heads up emotional intelligence at one of the Ivy League universities and he was saying that if you are having a moment of doubt um, or you're having a moment where you're going through a bit of a a hard time or you know you're in a bit of turmoil or perhaps you're experiencing lack of confidence or something else there is actually a physical change that goes on in our brains when we say our names out loud so rather than just having a quiet word with yourself and obviously pick and choose where you do this um, but rather than just saying you know what you know, Annabelle, pull yourself together, you know, or actually it's okay, it's going to be okay inside. Actually, there's a there's an actual change in in uh, how our brain reacts when we when we say that out loud, but when we hear our own name out loud, uh, when you say it. So it's a little tip, um, really works because they've done lots and lots of different experiments around it. And um, they've done brain scans when this has happened. So because there's something about making us realize that we're people that we're, we're a person um so maybe that's something you know maybe that's something to try next time you're having a bit of a bit of a moment and you need to just have a word with yourself and calm give yourself a bit of a pep talk is just to do that but instead of doing it inside your head just to do it out loud but the key is you've got to you've got to use your own name so there you go i don't know if that works but i'm gonna tip so. give that a go i think we'll commit to doing that that's good yeah yeah <laughs> I also heard a good tip about um, having a brag sheet um, where you write down the, the things you've done. I mm. guess it's maybe sort of almost like a bit of gratitude journaling where, um, yeah, you write down your achievements or things that have gone well that you're proud of that you can then reflect back on and you're having a low moment, almost like open it up and have a look. That Definitely. Was, I, so I do that. So every morning much. habits uh, that I have is, is to... Um, I write down the three people I'm grateful for. Um, I talk. Uh, I talk about the wins. I write down the wins, and then at the end of the day, the wins I've had, the lessons learned from today, and then the three people I'm grateful for, um, in the evening. And I do that every morning and every evening. And it's and sometimes it's quite hard if you've had a hard day. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes you think I'm not grateful for anyone today, um, and I run no wins. But actually, going through that process, but. <laughs> it's really nice exactly as you just said Kimberly it's reading back through those is is sometimes you don't realize how far you've come in a short period of time and I, I got into the habit of that at the beginning of this year and it's been something that's been brilliant and I, it's, I've, I've really got a lot from it so that that kind of frames my day and it, it has really made a difference so that's really good um good to hear and I think I think I should adopt some of that as well um I've been part of um, positive leadership. Um, Catherine, can I just ask, is, is, is Kimberly, myself and Mel going to be the three people that you're grateful for tonight if you're starting that off? Yes. Not to put you on the spot. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's a really good point. Yeah, um, great that you've all decided to be on the podcast as well. Push, push. Um, no, I appreciate it. But um yeah, I mean, the mm -hmm. gratitude thing, I, I don't think we give ourselves, I certainly don't give ourselves enough 
um, time to have that positive reflection in that positive leader course that I've been on through um, the, the positive group and um, Dr. Jen Jenkins has been running with it. Um, that's a lot of um, like signal and, and signposts and that you, you should encourage, as you say, uh, to your team to say, okay, what are you grateful for? Or what are you proud of this week? And um, I think it's a really good way to, to start a session or end a session, depending on what point you are in the week or whatever it might be. Um, I did it with my team because this is quite a, a new thing I've been on in the past two or three weeks. Um, and I think it's worked well. And I'll I'll allow Melanie to correct me if she's if she thinks otherwise. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was only one person on the team who could not answer what they they were proud of or what they were grateful for. And I thought that's that's a bit of a shame. So that that signals that we do need to do it more, and it needs to become kind of part of your sort of emotional synapse every day. Um, so I think writing it down is a really really good way to make sure that you're kind of holding yourself to account on it. Yeah, I think as well when you do it in the team, um, some people might just not think that they've done anything that they, they should be proud of, and it could be they don't realise it can be anything. It can be the tiniest little thing, and and then if you've got someone like kind of when you share in the group what you think you're proud of and then when other people are like oh yeah that's really good mm -hmm. well done I think that really helps as well to have an encouraging atmosphere and then it lets the other people know that they can share whatever they want and it doesn't have to be something major you don't have to have kind of saved the company millions of pounds that week um, it could be anything it could be anything tiny Definitely. that you're proud of I and think it's a really fine. good thing to do um this has been brilliant. I think we've covered a load of stuff that I didn't even expect that we would as part of this. So thank you so much for being so honest and open <laughs> and, and um, sharing with everything that you have so far. Um, there's there's one thing um, that I really want to make sure we cover off in this section, and that is um, key tips. What would you tell your younger self? Um, so Mel, what would you go with on that? Um, I'd probably tell her to uh, just be more confident and like Annabelle said um, it's a good point if you if you go for an interview or you want to try something and it doesn't work out it really doesn't matter it might knock your confidence a little bit but it's yeah it's, it's not the end of the world and you can just persevere and carry on and that's totally fine I think that's a good one and I'm sure that's what my mum said to me when I was a kid, but I absolutely didn't listen. But it's 100% true. It really is, isn't it? I think it's probably, um, yeah, along those lines, I think probably to trust myself more or to have trusted myself more, certainly earlier on. I think I think I probably do that now, but I think that comes with age <laughs> and a bit of experience, I think. Um, I won't say maturity, um, but yeah, age and experience, I think to, I think to trust myself more. And I think the other thing for me is, uh, would have been um, to stop being so much of a people pleaser. I think I've spent a long, you know, too much, too much time, I think, um, running around trying to please other people, I think for, for too long. And sometimes absolutely that's, you know, it's a good thing to do obviously, but I think sometimes you can do it too, too much when it's to the detriment of your, of yourself. And so, yeah, I would I say tone tone that down and tone the confidence up and the trust in myself up? Really, a bit. really good points. I think it's too easy to be a people pleaser. 
Um, and I think there's something, not to get all sort of feminist and woman on it, but yeah. there's something about um, it almost being a default position of, of trying to please others, um, more so in, in a female capacity, I think. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good piece. Because some of the books that I've been reading, you know, say exactly that, really. There are, you know, we have linguistic norms all of us that we probably had you know since childhood about the things that you do and you don't and the language that you do and you don't use one one of the things obviously is 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 actually articulating our successes which isn't something that I think was certainly you know when you're a kid or when I was a kid you went that wasn't something you did was to talk about how brilliant you were or what you you know succeeded at I think um so and I think exactly that you know what you were saying about being a people pleaser was I think it's to to put other people first or to be you know to make sure that you know you were you were putting yourself last I guess um I read a good book um the other day by Glennon Doyle don't know if you've come across her she's just written a book called Untamed and it's brilliant and she said isn't it just the most ridiculous thing that you know the the thing as a woman that you can be you know applauded for the most um stereotypically mm. is to be selfless so that's the most amazing thing we can do is put ourselves last mm. she said i don't know what you know i don't know what the message is in that um but it's not good um and i think but that is you know something that i think um that we probably have you know have have been conditioned to do i think more, more so I think definitely so um but if you haven't read the book by the way it's excellent yeah so uh, my cyber hero I guess she's not technically cyber but she's tech so and she got me in cyber um would be um Dr Sue Black who is the tech evangelist over at Durham University um, but she's got a, an amazing story. Um, honestly, Google her. I'll, I'll put her details in the podcast. Um, the experience she's had is just stunning. And she has then gone on to be really supportive of getting more women into tech and into cyber. Um, she's famous partly as well for helping to save Bletchley Park. Um, but yeah, she started some initiatives, um, one called Tech, Tech Up Women, which is to retrain 100 women into tech, and also Tech Mums, which is to teach mums um, digital skills. And actually, that's how I got started in the industry um, after having my second child and on maternity leave, just fancied doing some training or just fancy doing something a bit new and I'd always been quite techy and so I went along to one of her um, tech mums clubs and we did a bit of coding and a few different things learned some digital skills but the um the cyber security element was what really got me hooked so yeah so she's definitely definitely one of my cyber heroes um what about yourself Mel do you have any cyber heroes um I'm not sure about cyber heroes, but kind of, I think when you go through Twitter and you look through all of the infosec people, um, it's quite rare to come across people that are quite focused, that are happily focused on beginners and will give, give beginners advice because um, everyone kind of wants to show that they're the best and um, how advanced they are. Um, so 
kind of who I've found in the industry recently is um, he goes by the Twitter name Cy- the Cyber Mentor, and um, yes. I've he's got quite a few courses on Udemy, and I've done quite a few of his courses, and he does kind of like um, sales and free courses as well um, every now and again, and I just find he's really accessible, and he says all the time kind of more advanced people. Uh, kind of like oh why don't you teach more advanced things and you should be focusing on the more complicated things and he just says well why there's not enough beginner level stuff in the industry and you can't expect everyone to be experts and I just think he's just got such a great way of thinking Um, and yeah he's just he is more focused on making people better right from the ground up rather than just focusing on the really complicated things in security. Well, that's amazing because that definitely goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, isn't it, um, Annabelle? That's all these years later, it is still the fundamentals that are the hard things or aren't always being done. So it's great there's people definitely, out there yeah. trying to share I'm, that I'm message. I'm just going to give him a follow, actually. I'm not following him myself. So thank you for that. Uh-huh. Eliza May Austin for me. I think she's just a powerhouse. And I think the fact that she set up LHS and how supportive she is of other people in the industry and um yeah she's a she's a shiro of mine for sure I, I i think she's an amazing person so shout out to her and she can pay me the tenor later no she's definitely a very rare rare person does what she says she'll do very passionate really works hard to help people doesn't she and um brings the community together Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I was introduced um, by a mutual contact um, to Eliza and um, we met up and she told me about what she was doing with Ladies Hacking Society and just everything about her, really. I think just, you know, what she stands for, what she does, how she supports people. Um, I think she's she's really something. So Mm -hmm. I use that word powerhouse very lightly, but she is. So you've also spoke about your um, your podcast. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about it, um, Annabelle, and anything else? Sure, yeah. So I started the podcast um, a couple of months ago. It was one of those things that came out of lockdown, I guess. I've been thinking about doing it for a while, and then all of a sudden I had, you know, an extraordinary amount of time on my hands in the evening and weekends. So, um, so the podcast is called <laughs> Security and Two Sugars. The whole uh, premise of it is just very similar to tonight actually it's just talking about people's career journeys um and stories and how they got into the industry and how they got to do the jobs that they're doing now and uh you know some advice and tidbits of you know wisdom that they can share along the way so i'm on um almost at the end of series one now um so i'm looking for guests (laughs) for series two uh so um the um if anyone wants to follow the Twitter account, um, I'm, you know, put anyone forward or anyone listening wants to volunteer. I'd love to um, love to chat to you. It's, Do you I have any cyber here? She is. Um, Dame Cyber. Dame Cyber Remington. Jesus. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's five to eight. And <laughs> this, this is the demise of me. Um, Dame Stella Remington. Um, she is my cyber hero for sure um she was the first lady to head up mi5 which is something quite amazing um 
she completely came from uh well she had quite a privileged background but she she wasn't exactly served with a silver spoon or anything like that um she came across in a very 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 male uh dominated uh industry at that point um and she was due to come and do a talk in i think it was it was march i think this year and obviously um covid got in the way of that and it's been put back and put back and i was absolutely gutted that for whatever reason i might not get there to see her um but yeah she's amazing her books are brilliant um her story's amazing uh she's definitely if you get the chance to go and watch her talk definitely um get amongst it because she's really cool thank you this has been so wonderful it's been so interesting hearing everyone's different journeys Very much. and lots of great top tips as well it's been so brilliant yeah i've loved it thank you so much time. for asking me on thanks for being on it um, yes great annabelle melanie it's been an absolute pleasure um let's hope we do more of these and uh we bring more colorful chat to the table as uh as time goes on but um Yep, we'll make sure that you we get the right plugs out there. Um, Securities and Two Sugar, um, also Sapphire and Virgin Money and the most excellent yes. security operations team member. Um, um, but yeah, it's been great. I've enjoyed it, and I hope you listeners have enjoyed. It. <laughs>